Chris Kauser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First to Run, Matt and I are we're going to what downshift and then hit the Nas and then hit the e-brake pull and do lots of turns and then jump off of cliffs and turn over train trucks and do lots of other crazy stuff as we discuss the latest film in the Fast and Furious saga, F9, also known as F9, the Fast Saga. And then we're going to discuss... <laughs> The video game adaptation of Werewolves Within, featuring Sam Richardson and Milana Weintraub. And we'll tell you what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, featuring your streaming and straight DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I, well, we had an idea. Remember when they replaced Kevin Spacey in that film with Christopher Plummer digitally? So what if we did that with Vin Diesel? So Matt and I just... Came up with five films each that we think would be improved, depending on how you define that word, by digitally replacing somebody with Vin Diesel. And we'll share those findings with you today. But let's start everything off with a clip from F9. Or I maybe as an audience member, treat it as F.U. I used to live my life a quarter mile at a time. But things changed. Oh, Father, now, I will always be in your heart. Little Brian, I have a gift for you. Your daddy gave me this. Now I'm going to give it to you. It's very special. It's for protection from what's coming. All right, Dom, what's next? No matter how fast you are. I am not too big compared to you. No one outruns their past. I am more easy, you trying your best to become me. And mine just caught up to me. Been a long time, Dom. Matt, who was that? Is that a real question? No. Well, <laughs> so, Matt, what is F9 all about? Uh, um, or just, what isn't it about? Vin Diesel, um, he has to go fast for some reason. Um, he, I, I don't, I can't tell. I think they're working for the government now. I think, um, but then stuff happens, and then his brother, prayed by John Cena, shows up, and he's like a super spy, and. Charlie Theron is in this. Yeah, I don't really even know what the plot of this thing was. I don't even think they know what the plot of this thing is supposed to be. <laughs> well, no, they have a supercomputer that they'll be able to control oh, right. all the computers in the world. Gotcha, if they can right. get the satellite into space and then mm-hmm. upload the program that allow them to control anything that uses ones and zeros, mm-hmm. basically. Including, mm-hmm. I believe, like alphabet soup. Matt, gotcha. how well-versed are you on, on the Fast and Furious franchise? Are you... All up on all of them? Have you seen them all? I've seen most of them. And I think uh, quite a few of them. Most of them for this show, which I don't know if I'll ever forgive you for. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know I know it started off as a kind of like a point break involving illegal street racing. And it somehow evolved into, you know, Mission Impossible slash uh, the Bourne Identity kind of thing. Yeah, they do become like, I don't know mercenaries not even they don't think they ever get paid for it they just do it yeah. out of their patriotic duty and you know feeling a family 
to then save the country and the planet <laughs> a few times over. And I know the fast, I listen, when they introduce Statham and Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. I think that's when things kind of really took off for the franchise. Okay. And there's no rock in this one, which I no. think, I think is to the film's detriment. I think he tends to improve everything he's in as it was that SNL sketch. What do they call him? Franchise Viagra. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but and Statham too kind of makes an appearance, folks. If you stay through the credits, or at least the opening part of the end credits, mm-hmm. Statham does indeed pop up. So you get a little bit of that. But when we first talked about this film coming out, and the whole conceit of this franchise, at least the emotional core that it tries to relate to us, is how important family is above all things. And I made my little joke. Oh, yeah, well, you know, family's all that matters. Oh, by the way, here's a brother I haven't spoken to in 20, 30 years, right? So do you think they do an apt job explaining that? I mean, I guess. Here's the thing. I don't like these movies. I don't see what the appeal is of these. And I think I'm going to put it out there right now, Chris. This might be the last one of these. I do. If any what? of the... Of the uh, it, it is. I think it's going to be. After... The fiasco of Hobbs and Shaw. Um, I even in, in the lead up to this, there were some sh- channels playing playing a lot of these in a marathon. So I caught up with a couple of them. I'm like, man, they're just not that good. And this one really strains my enjoyment for me. Um, what was the question? I don't even remember because I'm going off on a tangent <laughs> here about how much I didn't like this movie. <laughs> Did you buy the? Family first, except in this one situation explanation. Sure. Because, I mean, the whole thing of this this whole franchise is that it's more about the the family is is more about the family you choose, the family that you make. Um, whereas this is more showing that, you know, the people that we're stuck with um, just by the virtue of birth is not always the people that we would want to hang out with. Now, granted, where do I even begin with this? reveal then they turn it around again and then oh they turn it around again kind of thing and it's you know vin diesel has i I don't know if he was ever really good but he didn't ever really seem as one note as this he basically has four expressions throughout this thing angry confused angry and confused and looks like he's hot like he ate like a bottle of xanax where his lids are about uh about shut but he's still walking around somehow Mm mm-hmm yeah, I just and John Cena looks. Is he older than Vin Diesel? I mean, he's supposed to be the younger brother, but he is. He's at least the same age, if not older. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't even. I don't know. It's like, is this like a situation where Sean Connery's playing Harrison Ford's father when he's only like four or five years older? Let me see here. So Vin is fifty-three. Okay. All right, and then our boy Cena is. 44. Okay. God, I like... Uh, I don't know. The whole message is, is just stupid. The whole thing that they're dancing around, Paul Walker's death is just stupid. You know, he's always just off screen. Everything about this is just dumb. I could not... And it's not even dumb, fun, dumb in a fun way. Like, I hated everything about this movie. Well, I think i got to stop you there. There are quite yeah. a few times where I laughed out loud during this film at just how ridiculous it was, how it... It doesn't just defy physics, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're not content to stop with that. We need to obliterate physics. 
like some reverse big bang that wipes out all meaning and logic is kind of how I would define this thing. Right? I mean, how many times would somebody be vaulted hundreds of feet into the air to be air quotes caught by the hood of a speeding car? Right. I mean, there are so many crazy moments like that. Right. That you just, you, you have to laugh. You have to kind of just succumb to the film's awfulness. Yeah. I mean, I laughed at it a couple of times in a derisive kind of way. Sure. Um, but I mean, I wasn't really enjoying this. I mean, I was not having that great of a time. I, you know, I try, I didn't see this in Dolby because it was sold out in Dolby or it was so crowded. Like I couldn't have gotten a seat. So I ended up seeing an IMAX and it was pretty full in IMAX as well in that big theater and whatever minimal charms it has were completely, I was completely unaffected by them. Not good. Very not good. Well, first off, I think we have to be happy that the movies are back, Matt. I, I think I even tweeted that out at one point when uh, I was looking to book my ticket. Uh, they showed a Friday night screening that was basically sold out of the Dolby mm-hmm. Theater. Okay. It cost $200 million to make this thing. And yeah. let me put it this way. I have to admire it in some ways. The sheer audacity of spending right. $200 million on the, possibly one of the craziest films, at least tentpole summer films I think I've ever seen. It is just so ridiculous and over the top that it hurts the film because everything loses meaning. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters mm-hmm. is the big problem. Like I said, now it's it's cleared four hundred five million as of the recording of this episode. So financially, it's going to be in great shape unless the numbers drop off a cliff and it's only the fast audience that went to see this weekend. Mm-hmm. But. I think the big conceit of these films, this that are emotion before the emotional core, is just window dressing here about family. Mm. It means nothing, and it's really exposed by Dom's relationship with his son, when mm. it feels like they're in two different scenes every time. Like like <laughs> Dom's been green screened in the screen with the kid in the background. Uh. There is no connection or emotional heft to any. Of those scenes. Not a single one. All this film exists to do now is just one crazy stunt after another. We got a magnet that pulls a car through a building, but somehow rests safely inside the truck housing where the magnet is. Right? Mm. And then the magnets themselves, Matt, they're omnidirectional. And then a delay can be applied at times if needed be. Or they're able to outrun the magnetism at some point. (laughs) Sure. They can outrun mines, which I guess is technically possible. But the whole valued family trope in this is just window dressing at this point. This film has no emotional depth, which it tries to really hit us over the head with by introducing Dom's brother. But the emotional depth in this depth in this film, Matt, is as shallow as the puddle that David Dunn drowned in, <laughs> which obviously still bothers me. I mean, I get that decision, but I still hate it. So, I don't know. It's got this crazy oversized James Bond plot two weeks in a row. And really, it's just the film exists to be an action delivery device. That's all it is. There's nothing here. The franchise, you know, the cars go fast. Tar- they Tarzan off a cliff to another cliff. Nothing matters. Sure, we'll drive a charger through the jungle. Why not? Right? <laughs> nothing matters. How about a cool low ride? You know, mid-engine charger that goes through Europe. 
a country that's famous for its wide roads and flat, even surfaces? Mm-hmm. How about a truck train map that is so impervious that it can flip dozens and dozens of times mm-hmm. and still keep going, still keep together? But at the exact moment they needed to, they can whiplash the back of it to separate with a rocket hit and destroy a plane. Right? right. I mean, there's so many things. And of course, Dom is able to escape, right? Jump out the back. Somehow. Right. Oh, I don't know. And just tuck and roll, tuck and roll. It's fine. <laughs> yes. And I think out of all that stuff, the stuff that made me laugh maybe the most was every time somebody popped a Corona. This is what oh, yeah. F9 brought to you by Corona. I know. It is just. <sighs> yeah. I mean, homeboy, the the old, the mechanic played by Michael Rooker, he wasn't, he wouldn't be drinking Corona. That is a Miller Lite man if he's, if he's anything. <laughs> maybe even Schlitz. Yeah. I mean, High life. What do you think of that decision? I'm still, I think it was dumb to cast young actors for young Diesel and young Cena instead of instead just of de-aging, like de-aging them. them. Rooker, Rooker was there and fine, yeah. I guess. Why not right. just de-age them? I I don't know. Maybe they blew all the they blew the budget on you know the the car stunts about sending a Fiero into outer space. Um, that is, <laughs> I mean, how do they even get back? I mean, you can't just enter back into atmosphere. Did they even? Did I miss that? Did they? Did they yeah, show did. how they got back? Well, they they were able to reach the International Space Station. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Which yeah, in that's turn, right. Of course, NASA would have sent up a shuttle to go get them at the cost of billions yeah. of dollars. Right. To <laughs> go get they, them. Right. Well, they did save the world, though. So I guess. I you guess. know what? I'm surprised with this franchise. They didn't just parachute back to Earth. Why not? <laughs> they got their they got their scuba suits on. They do. Yeah. You know. I mean, what they should have done is they should have like turned on the NOS tank, aimed it straight down at the Earth. God, like had it go through the atmosphere and start to burn up, and then as like it's about to blow up, they can leap out of the. Of, they can do like a tuck and roll, exactly, like right, right before they hit the ground, and they'd be fine. Absolutely, it's only it's only the stratosphere. I mean, come on, Chris. I like how the film thing. tries to make fun of that too, with one little yeah. clip about how they're talking about how they may be invincible. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, we we know the whole thing's patently ridiculous. Do we ever? We don't know for sure that Kurt Russell's character is dead, right? They just kind of say that the plane crashed, but we never right. see. There's they no just, confirmation. Yeah, no, they just say that. They never find the body. They never really say what happened. So, I mean, if I'm a betting man, Mr. Nobody will show back up in Fast 10, super, super fast for real this time, and he'll be the bad guy. Like, I he'll like, be the secret bad guy. Could be. I like, too, that Fast 10 has is two parts. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, that's swell. <laughs> that's where they're gonna, that's I, how they're going to cap the franchise. Is this last run, Matt? So you got you got to stick through. You got to finish what you started. I, I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know about that. And can I tell you how much I hated how like everything was literally like every time they turned around, they're just bringing in back another actor from from yes. one of the previous entries. And it's like, oh, I mean, after like the sixth actor that they do that with it starts to lose its impact a little bit. Not that it had that much impact to begin with. The real question will be whether the rock shows up to see what's cooking with John Cena. Like, (laughs) and he wants to give him, he wants to give that Rudy Pooh a people's elbow kind of thing. We can only hope. 
And I think that would that would be that would be a movie that I would show up for. Like just get rid of Vin Diesel because his roided out fifty three year old ass is just really just grating on me, and just have John Cena and The Rock be be, and then bring in I don't know who's another wrestler actor. Is there another one? Oh, I don't know. Angle? I have no idea. The Undertaker? <laughs> the Undertaker. Jake the Snake? I don't know. Who's a like who's a legit like big time? I don't know. Like Jericho's been in some stuff, but nothing. Okay. Yeah, but Cena, Cena and the Rocker. Kane's been in a couple horror films. Has he? We could bring Hulk Hogan out of retirement. Sure, why not? I'll see you know, you if I run into him. I think he's here in Tampa. Oh, uh, okay. Well, Bat- was Batista a wrestler? Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Just bring in Batista. Jeez, God, man, we're bad at this too. Another <laughs> Tampa resident. Yeah. Well, um, I will say though, I, I do want to just say that, um, I guess great the movies are back, but. Seriously, guys, like it was 30 minutes before this freaking film started between all the previews and the Jurassic Park short film. And then Ooh, you got a like, Jurassic Park short film. Yeah. For the new Jurassic Park coming up. I got, uh, I think like maybe three promos to let me know that I'm watching IMAX and how awesome it is. Um, Good. So Good. I'm, I'm over it. Let's, we've got YouTube now. I don't need to watch all these previews on the, on the screen, please. For the love of God, just start the game thing when it's supposed to start instead of a half hour later. You got to, that's what I do. I go, I know I have 20 to 23 minutes, so I don't go in. If my movie's at noon, I go into 1220. I'd rather it just start at noon. Especially since we have assigned seats now. Yeah. So I, pre- I agree with what you're saying. Maybe if you want to do trailers, run those early. So then mm-hmm. the movie starts at noon and have the trailers yeah. ahead of time. That would work too. I, yeah. Seriously. Good times. Good times. All right. I think the only other thing I would say is the one person who I think gets it in this whole franchise and is criminally underused is Charlize. Mm. I think she is knows exactly what's happening mm-hmm. and is having a blast with it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think she was criminally underutilized in this film. Yeah, I mean, she, whenever she's on screen, she certainly clasps the joint up. It makes it almost semi-respectable, but... Uh... That you know that uh, roided out Shrek on uh, Barbiturates uh, shows up and it's all over. <laughs> wow, so a lot of animosity here for uh, Vin. I mean, because man, I mean, like seriously, he's like playing Groot. You know, like if he just said "I am, I am Dom" throughout the whole damn thing, that would have been more entertaining for me than yeah. anything else. He doesn't really, yeah, he doesn't really emote well, and we'll talk about that in our top five, I think. <laughs> but in the end, Matt. F9, brought to you by Corona, the Fast Saga, <laughs> makes the later day Roger Moore Bond films look absolutely grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gave F9 a D plus just because of the, those laughs that I got out of it. Uh, I'm giving it a D minus, and I think I'm being extremely generous. Fair enough. Wow. The franchise is over, folks. I mean, it's still doing well. So financially, they'll they'll finish their saga, but any of the joy and spark that reignited this franchise around episodes, what, listen to me, episodes, films four, five through seven, you know, is gone. It just exists now for Fast Car Go Boom. That's basically <laughs> all it is now. So there you are. F9, The Fast Saga, brought to you by Corona. What are your thoughts? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, 
Let's go ahead and spend a few minutes and talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, July 6th. My birthday's coming up, kids. So uh, make sure you get Uncle Chris something nice, July 25th. Matt, let's play a clip from it coming out in 4K that I'm thinking you'll be double dipping. I'm confident you will. Stop, Pilgrim! What did you do with my sister? So, what can I get you? Is there anywhere you don't work? They're called jobs, something a ball like you wouldn't know anything about. And by the way, I can't believe you asked Ramona out after I specifically told you not to do that. How are you doing that with your mouth? Never mind how I'm doing it. What do you have to say for yourself? Can I get a caramel macchiato? You know what, maybe it's high time you took a look in the mirror before you wreak havoc on another girl. Me? Wreak havoc? And speaking of which, I hear the girl that kicked your heart in the ass is walking the streets of Toronto again. So I can just get my coffee over here? That's right, Matt. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is being released in 4K. There's also a limited edition steelbook coming out as well. Would you uh, be upgrading the 4K for that? I might if it was the right price. Um, I might. I really enjoy Scott Pilgrim, um, but I guess it would have to be it'd have to be probably in the twenty dollar or less range. I think. Oh, you'll clear that. Yeah, easily. I think soon. I my four K price I think is about fifteen bucks for uh, an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Blu rays I buy now. I don't. I don't think I'll pay more than ten. Yeah. 99 for a Mueller, unless it's like some special edition weird, you know, Synapse, Severin right. type, uh, you know, Arrow thing. Which I almost, I didn't pull the trigger. The big sale at uh, Severin was this weekend. And that uh, Blood for Dracula, the Paul Morrissey film, I didn't do it. It, just, mm-hmm. it's, it was 40, 50 bucks. And uh, I had already um, gotten some other stuff. So I had to pump the brakes. I'll have to maybe sit next time or who knows. Sorry, folks. Sorry, Severin. Maybe next time around we'll hit you up. And I think the Criterion <laughs> sale, I think, starts Friday. Okay. 50% off the Criterion, which I don't think I'm going to get anything this time. I no. may sit this one out, too. I'm not sure. I think there's a couple things. Well, we'll see. Famous last words. Scream Factory is releasing Dark Spell. Lots of consonants in this one, Matt, with the cast and crew, so I'm thinking Russian. Zinnia, a young wife and mother, is heartbroken after her husband leaves her. Desperate, she tampers with the forces of reality by employing sinister magic in the form of a spell called the Black Wedding. Apple TV is releasing Defending Jacob. This is that limited series they ran with Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery, where they have to, uh, based on, I guess, on a book about a father dealing with the accusation that his son is a killer. 14-year-old son, by the way. So not like it's, you know, an adult son. Arrow is really things threshold. It follows a sister claiming to be cursed as she persuades her brother to embark on a cross-country trip to break her spell. Uh, brand new audio commentaries for this one and some behind-the-scenes featurettes. Lots of stuff. This thing is stacked, but that's Arrow for you. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is giving us Bringing Up Baby. So you get to see the uh, classic film here in a brand new 4K restoration. New video essays, new interviews, and more. Craterin is also giving us Mirror from Andrei Tarkovsky. He may come up later on today in the show. 2K restoration of that film. This one is uh, basically Tarkovsky includes some reflections on the Russian people and their history, using the life of one man to consider the Russian experience from the Second World War to the end of the Stalinist period. I think, you know, I don't know if I told you, Matt, the last Criterion sale, I did pick up Stalker. Oh, I did had you? Solaris, but. Okay. 
previously i think i found it used someplace really cheap but i don't know stalker was sticking in my head ever since we did that marathon sure and uh i had to get okay. it again mvd visual is releasing mortuary from 1983 convinced that her father's death was not accidental a beautiful girl decides to investigate to find out the truth aided by her boyfriend her sleuthing draws her to a local mortuary where many secrets will be revealed the first pressing has a limited edition retro slipcover that looks like the original poster from the film. MVD Visual is also releasing The House on Sorority Row. After a prank goes horribly wrong, a group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one. Includes two versions of the film, uh, the original theatrical and then the alternate version of the film with a director-approved pre-credit sequence, audio commentaries, interviews, TV spots, alternate ending storyboards, and more. And again... Limited edition slipcover of the original cover art. MVD Visual is also releasing Mr. Jealousy, featuring Annabelle Shora and Eric Stoltz. After his first date at the age 15, ended with a girl making out with another man at a party. The Matt Howell story. Aspiring writer Lester Grossman has treated all of his girlfriends with jealousy and suspicion. While dating Ramona Ray, there's your Annabelle Shiora. Paranoia gets the best of him when he discovers that her most recent ex is successful novelist Dashiell Frank. Lester begins attending the same group therapy sessions as Dash to learn more about Romana's pa- Ramona's past with him. Excuse me. Hey, another Ramona drop, too, in the same episode. Hmm. How do you like that? No. Brand new featurette on the making of the film in a high-definition presentation in its original aspect ratio. That's one of the things about those older 80s and 90s films, right? With the home videos, they didn't really care, and they would send out the improper aspect ratios. It's fun to see these reissues getting corrected. Paramount Presents is releasing both 48 Hours and another 48 Hours, both of brand new 4K restorations and uh, making of featurettes. Wilgo USA is releasing Salat Warriors, which delivers, according to the cover, Matt, bone-crunching action. Ali and Fatima are frustrated when their younger brother Matt Arip when he fails to come home with the grant of their inherited land. Ali will have to find Matt Arip, who has fallen in with the wrong crowd and takes part in illegal gambling and racing, and bring home him to their father, Pak Nahan. Boy, I really struggled with that one. Kino is releasing Icy Breasts featuring Elaine Delon, The Black Marble, The Road to Selena, and The Widow Kodrek. Cauldron is releasing The Crimes of the Black Cat. A blind pianist tries to figure out who's responsible for a string of murders using a black cat with its claws dipped in curare. That's clever. Cauldron also releases Beyond Terror. An elderly woman and her grandson are burned alive, Matt, after a brutal home invasion. Their supernatural vengeance is enacted against the three perpetrators, plus the two hostages, whose callous indifference allowed it to happen. Matt, we talked about Scott Pilgrim getting a 4K release with a limited steelbook while also coming out in 4K. The legendary Dr. Strangelove. Howard the Duck, which also gets a steelbook, as well as the legendary, for opposite reasons, Space Jam, which also has a limited edition steelbook. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt. Sharks of the Corn. Strange things are happening in Druid Hills, Kentucky, known mainly for its voluminous corn output. Victims of monsters in cornfields begin cropping up, and witnesses are saying there are large, great white sharks swimming in the corn stalks. Meanwhile, I love this meanwhile, serial killer Teddy Bo Lucas is arrested for killing dozens of people using shark jaws and teeth as weapons. Chief Vera Scheider, played by Scream Queen Shanna Stockin, 
is caught in the middle, trying to figure out if her missing twist sister, Lorna, might be one of them. When Teddy agrees to take her to one of the prime burial sites in a cornfield, an insane chain of events unfold that no one is prepared for, Matt, pitting the Druid Hills townsfolks against an outrageous shark-worshipping cult that is planning to take over the world one cornfield at a time. And their main protectors are jaw-snapping sharks of the corn. With a tagline, are you ready? You're going to get stalked. Because corn stalks. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's got a double meaning. That's good. There you go, guys. Yeah. What should we be streaming this week? Uh, I'm going to recommend a little blast of nostalgia called The Last Blockbuster. It is a documentary um, that a crew had started um, detailing the last, I think, four blockbusters in the U.S. And while they were doing the documentary, they all slowly started to close until they were down to one left in Bend, Oregon. It's a, again, it's a blast of nostalgia. You get to see people talking about it as far as celebrities and people who worked at Blockbusters, see old ads. And then you also get a little bit of behind the scenes of um, why Blockbuster ended up the way that they did in the kind of perfect storm of things that uh, really contributed to their decline, considering they were one of the largest American companies in the world at the time. It's, It's a fun little thing especially for people like us who kind of grew up as, as we're young during that time, during their heyday. So last blockbuster is available on Netflix. There you go. Isn't it true too, that at one point blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix and turned it down. They addressed that, that is all? true. That is true. Yeah. They do address that. They say that the popular opinion is that's what led to their downfall, but that's not, but they're, that's saying that's not really true. That's not really what the problem was that caused them to kind of go belly up. Interesting. All right. Thanks, Matt. I know I've been meaning to check that one out. So, Matt, we've had a long run of really just horrible, horrible video game adaptations. Well, has that changed with Werewolves Within? Dr. Ellis? I told you she's probably tanked. Touch this door again. I'll shoot. Again. Dr. Ellis? Hey, lost, please. Look, we need answers. It didn't disappear. What'd you say? It didn't disappear. Shh, shh, shh. What? It's not Emerson Flint. It's one of you. What the hell is that oh. close to me? Okay, well. What did her eyeballs say? Look, we don't understand. Could you just please come out? I'm afraid I can't do that, Ranger Wheeler. You could be one of them. One of what? A lycanthrope. A what? A werewolf. Oh, a werewolf. That's right. All right, Matt. Werewolves Within. Here we go. Sam Richardson stars as Finn. Milana Weintraub is Cecily. So what happens, Matt? There's this pipeline, right? This proposed pipeline that's going to go through this sleepy kind of small town of Beaverfield. And then a snowstorm comes in and traps all the residents kind of in their homes or in this little area. And Finn, newly arrived forest ranger, along with Cecily, try to kind of keep everybody calm and save the day and figure out who is the killer, who is the werewolf within. Madness is billed as a kind of horror comedy that I feel leans much more into the comedy than it does the horror. 
but still is an interesting exercise in video game adaptations. I'm not familiar with the game itself. From what I understand, it's kind of more of a thing where you sit around and you, I don't know, it's like a mystery clue game. And that's really kind of how I look at this is it's Mm -hmm. kind of clue and knives out, but with werewolves. It's like a wackier Mm -hmm. version of mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Are you familiar with the property prior to the film? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a VR version of Werewolf, of One Night Werewolf. Um, basically, there's a card game where everybody's sitting around and they're playing, and one of them is has a, the werewolf card, and they're they're trying to convince the other ones. Well, you kind of like it's kind of like Among Us, if you know what that is, for a more mm-hmm. contemporary thing. Um, basically, it's a VR party game where one or more people are the werewolf. Um, they try and accuse you, try and figure out who it is, and um, if you don't get it right, the werewolves kill you. Well, that's not cool. No, well, it's werewolves do, man. So what are your thoughts on werewolves within? I think the film had one main flaw, fault, mm. I should say, that is explained by the ending. So I was able to cross that off of my list, which pleased me. But in the end, I think as much as I may have enjoyed werewolves within, it may just not be as funny as it thinks it is. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts? Yeah, I am not a huge fan of horror comedy i think i've stated that many times on this show and i think really my problem with horror comedy is that it doesn't do most of the time it doesn't do either thing particularly well it's either not scary enough or not funny enough um because it's trying to put those two things together and i think that that affects here i think they're definitely leaning more into the comedy aspect of this um this is not really scary at all but it's not it's not particularly funny either i think it's it's kind of like a bunch of character actors kind of throwing out a bunch of rat-a-tat delivery oftentimes talking over to each other and it doesn't always land as well as it should i think there are a couple of bright spots i think uh, milana van trub is is um is uh, good to see i'm i'm happy to see her playing something other than lily for a change on the at&t commercials but i think she's the kind of brightest spot in this and i don't think it's necessarily she's even that great i think she's just pretty good yeah, I think the thing is, this is more comedy mystery than it is comedy mm-hmm. horror. And I think, as you say, I think all of those aspects aspects are, are slightly underserved. And I don't think we get enough Sam Richardson. I think that's a part of the problem with the film is that he's tasked with basically being the straight man. He has his quirks and stuff, but he's the one that kind of keeps everything moving. And I don't think we're able, we don't really tap into his comedic chops if you will as much as we could i mean he's brilliant in veep um what's the uh, detroiters the show he did on comedy central which i have not seen which is supposed to be absolutely mm. hilarious and then the other uh, tim robinson show is that i i think it should be going or i think you should be going I, I love the show and i can never get the name right but he's in that a lot too and he is absolutely hilarious i think michaela Watkins. Maybe my favorite person in in this film, followed closely by Weintraub and then uh, Richardson. But I will say that, Matt, that probably is the best video game adaptation movie I've seen. When I think of all the movies (laughs) that have come out, I can't think of one that I enjoyed more. Uh, It's like I said, it's just a wacky kind of version or clue or knives out with the werewolf thing. It's a fun cast, has some fun ideas that just need to be punched up or maybe expanded upon a little bit. I would like do this as a great double feature with Scare Me, that film we did earlier this year with Aya mm-hmm. Cash. Yeah. I think it's kind of has that same vibe to it. And right. if you enjoyed that, I think you would enjoy this as well. Um, yeah. 
No, it's fine. And we it's playing theatrically right now in a limited scope, which uh, we were able to check out. It will be on demand this Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out as well then. I think it's worth your time, Matt. I end up giving it a B minus. I think it's entertaining enough for sure to check out. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it um, a B minus as well. I think that's that's fair. I wouldn't go in there expecting to be blown away by this. And I wouldn't, if you're like a hardcore horror fan, this is not like your yeah. typical werewolf fair kind of thing. But um, maybe it's the best video game adaption out there, mainly because the video game itself has no plot, so they couldn't really mess it up. So... Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting little diversion. So there you go. If you've had a chance to see Werewolves Within, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstturon.com. It's good. I enjoyed it. It's fun. All right, Matt. Now here we go. Vin Diesel movies. What are what are some films that would be improved by digitally inserting him over somebody else? Removing a character and putting him in another movie. And I thought, oh, what's what's something we could come up with that would be a good clip? And I said, you know what? Why not like Ocean's 12? Who cares, right? You can probably swap him out for anybody in that film. You told me that your wife said that he called it Ocean 11. Now who decided that? I'm a private contract. It was a collaboration that moniker is insulting. Yeah, I mean, Danny, it was one job that we did together, so I don't know where this whole like proprietary stance comes from. Wait, it seems a little possessive. One could know? make the argument that because it was, in fact, Danny's idea, maybe No, it hang be- on a minute. We all had our own areas of expertise. I mean, without us, it don't leave your head, mate. It just hurts, you know, because it seemed like we all agreed to call it the Benedict job. I mean, that's what we called it when we were doing it. You know? right. <laughs> if you wanted to call it something else all along, then... Wait, when you have a problem, who do you go to? Rusty. Rusty. Thanks, Lyman. So I think if I had to swap him out of anybody in that film, Matt, maybe Bruce Willis, who plays Bruce Willis, but he'd be playing Bruce Willis. I think that'd be fun. Mm, Vin Diesel is Bruce Willis in Ocean's 12. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Vincent Cassell's uh, bad guy, right? The the Baron Francois Talour, the Night Fox. I don't know if I'd go with any uh, any of the 12, but if I did, probably Casey Affleck. All right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I just want to say first off with this, I don't think Vin Diesel can improve anything. So I just kind of made a list that I think it would be funny to see him put in put in the work on some of these films. Yeah. So a lot of mine are funny. Other ones, I feel like it'd be interchangeable, so it wouldn't hurt anything. Mm-hmm. And then some of them, I'm actually generally curious about. Okay. But I think maybe he could pull off. Okay. So I'll go first. I'll give you the ultimate number one this week. <clears throat> Did we do okay. that last time? I don't remember. I don't know, but I, I think I deserve the ultimate number one this week because my choice is fantastic. Good. All right. So I'm going to go with... Here's the thing. I'm going to go with Mark Wahlberg's character in... I don't even remember the character's name. I couldn't be bothered to look it up. And then Night Shyamalan's The Happening. I feel that, that famous scene... <laughs> When Wahlberg is sitting there trying to figure something out, like what the, the yeah. wind is killing people or whatever it is, yeah. right? He's he's doing that blank stare thing. I think Wahlberg is a director's actor. You need to know what to do with him. And if you don't, it's going to be a disaster. Right. And I think that Vin could easily have replaced Wahlberg in that film. And I think it made it more enjoyable. Really. Okay. I think if in Vin in that role with his gruffness, you know, mm. and his three emotes... 
<laughs> I think which are two more than Wahlberg. I think right. could really uh, have turned that film into not just an unbridled disaster, but just a, a big messy movie, which would be a yeah. Movie. Man, that that movie is so bad. I haven't seen that movie in so long. The most the most unconvincing science teacher in the history of film. <laughs> it's just so it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's a good choice. All right, so my number five. It's a film that I wouldn't want Vin Diesel to be in because I absolutely love this film. But when you first suggested this, this is immediately what came to mind for some reason because it's got all of Vin Diesel's range. Um, he just has to kind of growl menacingly and um, perform action scenes. And to top it all off, he wears a helmet that covers half of his face through the uh... entire movie so you wouldn't be able to see what it is. I'm talking about... Replacing Carl Urban in Dread, um, which I absolutely love Carl Urban in Dread. I love Dread so much, and I hope that the Mega City One um, TV show actually ends up happening and that Carl Urban is actually in it, because I think it would be fantastic. Um, it's a vastly underappreciated movie, but I believe if he just got to go in and growl and say stuff like, I am the law and judgment time, I think that is something that is well within vin diesel's capabilities and i think um you would only lose maybe 70 percent of what made that movie great that's not too bad i i like that pick that's a good one (laughs) that's a good pick all right so then my number four i'm gonna go with godzilla the uh swapping aaron taylor johnson's rollout with vin diesel and jettisoning basically that entire family plot if we had to which is easily the worst thing about that film and I just think that there he has a bit more star wattage than Aaron Taylor Johnson does. Now, would he? I think he may end up harming the film in some capacity, unless he goes mano imana against Godzilla, and some somehow he's able to fight Godzilla. Then I think maybe it works. But uh, outside of that, I don't know. I could easily swap him out in that role, and I don't know since that movie only works when it's. Godzilla fighting the Motus, then really, what's the harm? Interesting. That's a good. Yeah, I could. I guess I could. Honestly, you're. You could throw anybody in there, and I don't know if you would be losing anything because it, Aaron Taylor Johnson is such a non-entity in that film. Like it could be literally anybody, and it'd probably be okay. And I'm still blown away by how good he was in Tenet. I mean, I didn't right. even believe it was the same guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see this, but and then also too, I think Vin could carry through. Those Godzilla films, and that would kind of been, be his new franchise as well. I, okay. I'm honestly, I'm not against it. I'm not against. Not it. against it. Okay. Very good. All right. So my number four again is one of my favorite movies of all time. Maybe, maybe top five, solid top five for me ever. And I again feel like the lack of emotion and the weirdness of this character could really fit Vin Diesel's style. And I think it would be hilarious to see him in the wig. But what about replacing Javier Bardem with Vin Diesel for Anton Sugar in uh, No Country for Old Men? Can you imagine that whole soliloquy to the gas station uh, owner uh, dropping friendos and talking about the the, <laughs> the, the fate and chance mm-hmm. um, as Vin Diesel? Yeah, I think that could be absolutely hilarious. I wish I, we had an audio clip of him saying, call it. <laughs> yeah, honestly when we were doing this i tried to find some kind of um 
Vin Diesel voice changer so I could like say outlines in his voice. But <laughs> if I tried to imitate him, I would just end up sounding like Sylvester Stallone. So I gave it up. Well, that's not so bad. Mm. So one of my, uh, I like that pick. One of my jokey ones then is uh, him replacing John Scotty Ferguson. I'm talking, of course, about Jimmy Stewart and Vertigo. I, there's just something about I would love to see how absolutely horrible that would be with his because his again his lack of ability to emote and Jimmy Stewart's bewildered Scotty Ferguson trying to figure out what's happening in this grand mystery as his life you know just unravels around him as he becomes obsessed with this woman and <laughs> just something makes me smile. When I think of Vin Diesel in that role, it just doesn't it doesn't work at all. It's like the antithesis of everything I think he is, which is why I so desperately want to see it. Yeah, that would be hilarious. But, I mean, just put him in a lot of Jimmy Stewart films. Can you imagine him in, in It's a Wonderful Life, you know? Oh, that's, not, that's an honorable mention for me. Absolutely. Is it? <laughs> and perhaps it should be my three, really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I exactly... That's one of the first things... You know, I'm, all right, folks, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. When I first did this list, that was like the first thing that popped in my head was Vin Diesel in mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> but uh, I was out and about. I was doing something. I totally forgot about it, Matt. So you just brought it up. Oh, very good. So I'm swapping out my vertigo, which It's a Wonderful okay. Life, because it was supposed to be in there. And I totally blanked on it. Until you just reminded me. But yeah, I just see Vin Diesel running. This Because the thing that popped in my head was him running uh, down the street. You know, yeah, saying yeah. Merry Christmas movie house. Yeah. And saying, Zuzu's pedals. There's something like, you know, <laughs> just, you're entirely right. That's my thing. Uh, having no charisma with his supposed son. Talking about how uh, an angel's got his wings. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Which is what we just saw. That's clearly what we just saw in that film. And speaking, too, about, you know, with the the total lack of romantic chemistry with him and Donna Reed, Mm. with that scene where walking down the street talking about the, uh, do you want the moon? That'd be wonderful. (laughs) Fantastic. I can't wait. Now I kind of can't wait for deep fakes because imagine if we could just do this ourselves, just put in (laughs) whatever character we wanted to to watch a film. All right, so my number three, this is where Vin Diesel would stay on the periphery, but I'd like to see what he could do with some kind of ludicrous acting uh, comedy chops. So I'm thinking about him taking over for Steve Carell in Anchorman as the um, mentally deficient Brick Tamlin. I just think him trying to go from the kind of lovable idiot little bit Brick to being, I think, kind of just menacing through no fault of his own, be much more mm-hmm. sinister while he's holding a grenade or um, being said that he stabbed a man in the heart. I think it would bring a whole different energy to Brick Tamlin. It'd be a lot scarier. I it think. would be loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. I think my number two then is Vin Diesel as Charles Foster Kane. In Citizen Kane, <laughs> I I think of I think it's I think of it's a boiler room that he's in. Mm-hmm. I, you know that's what I think of, and um, just hearing him at the opening of that film just whisper Rosebud, <laughs> except that of course it would be the name of his charger. Right, exactly right. Yes, 
<laughs> his well, they wouldn't have a Dodge Charger back then, though. So it would be his. I don't know his Whatever favorite horse, his carriage, Dodge, his souped up back then, his souped up horse and buggy. <laughs> yeah, his Model T. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but just think the brilliance of Orson Welles in that film, but swapped mm. out for Vin Diesel, mm-hmm. and then you'd understand why it's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, all right, so as I dip further into my genre roots here. Um, I tried to think of what Vin Diesel would look like in a horror film as like the ultimate villain or monster. So I thought about what if Vin Diesel played Pinhead in Hellraiser and had to kind of go out and be this menacing um, devil. I think it would be interesting to see him in the makeup. Obviously, he's much bigger uh, than the, the gentleman who played him. So I guess he would have that kind of more physical presence. But I guess I would like to see, you know... I don't even think they would have to put on the voice affectation. His his voice yeah. is that deep. I think it would work pretty well. That's great. I actually like that idea. I don't. I you know I don't have any horror in mind either. So, mm. uh, but that's interesting. I kind of like that. That's fun. Nice, good pick, man. All right. So, where am I? Two, three, one, six, one. Yeah. All right. Now here's my totally legit pick. Okay. All right. This may be blasphemous, but it's legit. That he replaces Alexander Kudovitsky in uh, Stalker. He plays the Stalker. Okay. Now, maybe it's an Americanized version. Mm-hmm. But I there's something... I could see Vin doing that film. I mean, it'd be real experimental of him. And this would be young Vin. I don't think, you know, 50, whatever he is, three-year-old Vin is up for this kind of thing. I think he has clearly settled into his churn out a fast movie and then kind of call it a day for the year right part of his career but i think vin in his late 20s early 30s would have been all about maybe doing doing stalker right i mean he did pitch black which is a solid genre science fiction film Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think he can do solemnity i think he can do desolation and depression one of his three emotes and i really feel that uh he could pull off Stalker. I think he could. I honestly think he could. Okay. All right. That'd be interesting. We, we should probably sit down and think about who else would be in that film with him. Mm. That'd be, uh, be an interesting interesting exercise. All right. So my number one, I mean, why take Vin Diesel far away from what he knows? He knows fast cars. He knows how to drive. So maybe he should play the driver, replace Ryan Gosling as the driver in Drive. Doesn't have to say much knows how to drive cars fast and can get brutally violent when he has to. I mean, it would bring a whole different, different vibe to, uh, to the proceedings, but uh, yeah, let's give it, let's give uh let's give the people what they thought they were getting in drive in the first place. Will you shut up, shut up, shut, shut, <laughs> shut, shut, shut up, shut up. I don't know how I feel about that at all. <laughs> that doesn't sit well with me. I know. I figured, I figured it would not sit well with you at all. I thought you were going to go with like Grease with Travolta's character. Oh, that that would be hilarious. That would be funny, <laughs> especially with him singing. That'd be uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to check that out. Um, an honorable mention I had was Eastern Promises. That was another legit one. Cronenberg mm-hmm. Eastern Promises swapping okay. out Vigo with him. Right. Okay. So I think he could pull he could pull that one off. And uh, yeah. I guess that's it. Do you have anything else that didn't make the cut? Um, the only thing I can think of is maybe bringing some 
some life to some comic book movies I didn't like. So maybe like replacing Topher Grace as Eddie Brock in, Ven- in the Spider-Man 3 version of Venom. Mm-hmm. Or have him play replace Nick Cage in Ghost Rider and see if it was any if it was had been any good. That's interesting. That's an interesting idea. I'll still be upset with uh, that second film because mm. they could have gone crazy with that thing and they didn't do it. Yeah. What about um? Oh, I just had it and I lost it. Oh, what about Hellboy? Think you could do Hellboy? Um. Yeah, I think he could do Hellboy. I just don't he think he's got... He did a wisecracking part of it as well? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if he could do that. I don't think he's got the charm of of Ron Perlman, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if he could sell it or not. But he you know what? Maybe I'm giving... Presence, but... I Wasn't he... Was it Vin Diesel in, like, the babysitter or the tooth fairy or some shit like that? Like, we, like, had to watch kids or something? Yeah, I think I think The Rock did a tooth fairy movie. Oh, okay. But I think, yeah, he did some kind of babysitter family comedy. Okay. So I don't know. I never saw it. I heard it wasn't particularly good, but um, maybe we're not giving him enough credit on his comedy chops. Could be. Mm-hmm. What do you think, folks? What movie do you want to see Vin Diesel replace somebody in? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Coming up next week, Matt. I don't know. You're not here, right? Aren't you? I'm away? not here. No, I'm, I'm going away. Well, that's a new Soderbergh film is uh, hitting, I believe, HBO Max. Okay. Um, so I don't know if we're going to try and grab a, a guest or what the plan is. Maybe we'll take a week off. Who knows? Run some best ofs or throw in a screen run episode, which you can hear Matt right now. Episode, uh, 11, 10, 12 yoga hosers mm. is, uh, out there right now. we got one more to do the reboot and then, uh, the, uh, season is done. Well, we do cover, what is it? The flying car tonight show skit. Okay. And then um, do kind of a, a retrospective. Anyway, that's screenrun.fun. You can find us at thefirstrun.com. Go over to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. and help other people find the show. And that's it. Matt, enjoy your time off. Thank you. Everybody else, enjoy your holiday. We will see you soon. Take care of yourself. Get vaccinated. I love you. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room.